Good morning. Um, I'm Allison, for those of you that don't know me, and I have had the privilege of serving as your congregational care pastor here for the last almost five years now at Love Chapel Hill. Um, so some of you have um, spent time with me, um, some of you have have seen me up front before and some of you I might be a new face so to those I say hello um, so today I um, have the privilege of preaching and one of the things that I'm really passionate about and you've probably heard me talk about and um, kind of start kind of start to get a ministry going in our churches around prayer um, you've probably seen me up front praying and offering that back when we were in the varsity and so um, a part of that also comes from before I joined staff, um, I served as a chaplain at UNC Hospital um, for about a year and a half and uh, had the, the privilege of praying with people in a lot of really difficult situations. And so that really kind of sparked this interest in prayer for me um, and this passion for prayer. And so it just seemed appropriate when I was given uh, a stand and a microphone and an open agenda that I would talk to you today about prayer. So that's what we're going to do. So start with the basics. Why do we pray? So if you look throughout scripture, you see that prayer is a means of communication with God in its most intimate form. And we see this especially in the prayers of the Psalms. And there are hundreds of examples throughout scripture and I could stand up here and I could list them all and we could go through them but this is 2021 and a quick Google search will do the same for you so uh, but if you look and you just like kind of look up prayer and start reading through some of these scriptures um, what you see is that the command to pray and the practice of prayer is all throughout scripture and so today, instead of like jumping around and talking about prayer in general, I want to dig into a particular example of prayer in scripture that I think has a lot to teach us, um, and that is the prayer in Gethsemane. It is one of the most intimate prayers of Jesus that we have record of, and I think it helps to answer a common question that surrounds prayer. Why do we pray for a situation if God already knows the outcome? So yeah, we're going to go there today. <laughs> so buckle up. Uh, I'm going to be uh, going through Mark's version of this prayer today. So that is in Mark 14, verses 32 through 42. So if you would um, read with me. And real quick before I dig into scripture, I'm also going to pray. So pray with me and then we'll, we'll dig into the scripture, okay? Dear Lord God, I just pray for what you have for us today. Lord, that through my passion and experience, Lord, I can speak um, to these things and to the importance of prayer, Lord, and that as we, we dig into the scripture that we are so thankful to have and to have um, this example from Jesus, God, um, that you will just prepare our hearts, our ears to hear, and our eyes to see you, God, this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. 
he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. He did not know what to say to them. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. Okay, so a few things to note about the context before we dig in. So this passage is coming right after Jesus confronts Peter about his upcoming denial of him. Um, where he says, you know, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And Peter's like, yeah, no, I would never do that. And then he does. Um, and then directly following this scripture, Jesus is betrayed by Judas and turned over to the Roman authorities. And we kind of see the lead into that right at the end. So right here in this passage, we see Jesus grieving. And we think automatically that he's grieving his own upcoming suffering and death. But the context shows us the more immediate grief, the loss of his friends and support. He brings his inner circle with him to this place, Peter, James, and John. And those are the same three that Jesus took with him to the Mount of Olives to reveal his divine origin to, our transfiguration story. And he takes them to Gethsemane which is a small private garden area in Jerusalem where we are told that he goes to pray. He could have just gone off and prayed alone. And we see that Jesus does this in scripture. Luke 5:16 says, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But he brings his friends with him and he tells them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. So this unto death, we can read that as predicting Jesus's upcoming death on the cross, right? But scholars also point out that it's kind of this idiomatic expression, um, which is seen elsewhere, including in Jonah's book. And it has this meaning like a sorrow so deep that it threatens death or exceedingly sorrowful, sorrowful. So we know that this is a deep grief that Jesus is experiencing. And so he tells his friends, keep watch. Though he goes to be alone to pray, he doesn't want to be alone with his grief. And the disciples don't quite understand this. Um, they kind of see keep watch as this more passive thing, like, hey, make sure no one comes to interrupt me while I pray. And yet they can't even do that. They fall asleep. Um, so quick side note here. 
how many of y'all have ever fallen asleep while praying? Oh, good. I'm really glad I wasn't the only hand. Um, so I would encourage you not to read this and be like, oh, crap, I fell asleep while praying. I must have failed God. No, 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 no. So first of all, I personally fall asleep while praying a lot because I find myself having trouble sleeping from anxiety and racing thoughts. And so I turn to this place of prayer. I don't know if anyone else does this as like a centering kind of helping me calm down and yeah, I'll fall asleep. And I always think God must really love that because I felt so comfortable and happy and at peace with God that I could find rest. So I just offer that as an encouragement. <laughs> anyway, so Jesus says to them after he founds them asleep, keep watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So once again, this points to Peter's upcoming denial and the abandonment of Jesus by even his closest friends. Jesus doesn't want that to happen. The call to pray and to not fall into temptation is his hope that at least part of this upcoming suffering will be relieved, that he would not be completely alone. So a second time he goes to pray and they fall asleep again. And the scripture tells us they did not know what to say to him. It sucks to feel like you failed God with even the most basic task. And I think that guilt is something that can really eat away at a prayer life if you let it. If you haven't remembered to pray in several days or weeks, or you feel ashamed coming to God in prayer because of something you did, just remember that Jesus knew. He knew that his friends would fail him but he still wanted them there. God wants you there. God wants you in prayer. Do not let your guilt prevent you from entering that prayer space. So a third time, Jesus goes to pray. And once again, they fall asleep. And though he is praying for a different outcome to this thing that he doesn't want to happen, that thing comes to be, and we see that he is betrayed and arrested, and the domino effect of what is to come begins. So we see Jesus prays, take this cup, three times, in desperation and in sorrow. He reveals his grief to God, and yet God does not take any part of it away. So why does he pray? Why do we pray when we face situations where the outcome seems set? Is it reasonable to pray for a miracle? Well, my first answer to these questions is that scripture tells us to. Jesus himself says earlier in Mark's gospel, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the seas, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Y'all, I greatly struggle with this scripture. 
as I see it often misused by the church. It's a powerful scripture. It suggests just how important prayer is. It tells us that God listens to the desires of our hearts. God sees our faithfulness and God acts because of that faith. And that's incredible. But the scripture is misused when the converse of it is said to be true. That if the things we want to happen do not happen, it's a problem of our faith. That we didn't believe enough and that's why we did not receive it. But Jesus does not say this. And if you do not get what you're praying for, no matter how big or how small, do not blame your faith. The prayer in Gethsemane shows us that even Jesus didn't always get what he prayed for. So let's talk miracles for a second and praying for miracles. We have ample examples in scripture of Jesus, the disciples, and others, other believers, praying for and receiving miracles like healing and food. And some of us may have experienced such occurrences in real life. And scripture definitely supports the fact that God can make them happen. But also, we know that God does not always make them happen. And it's important to note that there are scriptures linking miracles to faith, and there are examples of lack of faith leading to lack of miracles. One big one of those is in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus goes into a town and he's unable to perform miracles because of the people's unbelief that he's serving. And it's important to note that this is not a critique of Jesus's own faith, but of the people around him. But we have to sit with that, even if it makes us uncomfortable. And y'all, I'll be honest, miracles kind of make me uncomfortable. But I want to come back to what Jesus prays in Gethsemane. He prays for a miracle, for God to reverse or change what is planned for Jesus. And then he prays, yet not what I will, but what you will. So let's talk for a second about God's will. I did start off by saying I was going to answer the question, why do we pray if God already knows the outcome? And I know some of you would love, I'm looking at you, Sam Schmidt, would love for me to go into the philosophical implications of this question. But I'm sorry, this is a sermon and not a lecture. So I'm going to stick with answers from scripture and my own experience um, and hope that's enough. I also don't feel like having an existential crisis up here in front of all of y'all, so we're just not going to go there. Okay, so we know that God has a will and that God has a plan. Scripture's clear on that. However, it is never okay for us to say that something was or is God's will or God's plan. We honestly don't know that. I think the assumption is that because it happened, God must have planned it. Otherwise, God is not really in control. However, I don't believe this to be true. When sin entered the world... So did chaos and evil. And what we see if we look at the story of scripture is how God continues to fight against these things on behalf of God's people. And yet, things happen. Israel falls. Moses never makes it to the promised land. The kingdom of God divides. 
This is the result of sin and chaos and evil. And what we also see in scripture is how God redeems these things. How the work of redemption takes place. And it takes place when God's people submit themselves to God's will. God moves on this earth through God's people. Through us. We are the kingdom bringers. And God invites us to partner with God in this work. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this. In Gethsemane, he expresses his sorrow and prays in faith for a different task instead of the one ahead of him. But he aligns himself with God's will, and through his obedience, we receive salvation and resurrection. We call this the great reversal because we see the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden, and here Jesus' obedience to this reverses that. Y'all, there's so much more to say on this, but I was only given 30 minutes. Um, So real quick, let's take a look at another piece of scripture about prayer that I think is important to tie in here. And that is in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. The most unhelpful thing said to an anxious person ever. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's what we see happen with Jesus here. Through prayer, Jesus aligns himself with God and receives this peace of God. This helps to alleviate his suffering, though importantly does not take it away. Jesus still suffers the things to come. But he leaves this situation that he enters with deep despair. And then he leaves and approaches his faith, or approaches his fate, sorry, with this peace of God. I think this is the gift of prayer. That no matter the outcome, God is with us. God hears us, God sees us, God acts for us, whether through giving us what we ask or through supporting us when we don't receive it. And God gives us this peace, which is enough to help us face exceedingly difficult situations. And that's why we pray. Y'all, I could go on and say so much more. Um, I could go on and on about prayer because, honestly, it's been a really transformative part of my faith and my ministry. I mentioned before serving as a chaplain at the hospital. And when I did that, I met people in all kinds of desperate, difficult, and traumatic situations. And their stories will remain with me for my lifetime. And what I learned in praying with them are some of the same things that I think we can learn about prayer from the story. First of all, prayer is about being seen by God, by others, being seen in your grief, your suffering, and your humanity. Even Jesus desired this. Two, the aim of prayer is to connect with God and to evoke the Holy Spirit in our lives. Prayer is active. It moves and it changes us. And it moves and changes God. Now, where and how God moves, we don't get a say over. 
God can move to change a situation, God can move other people to help in a situation, or God can move towards us to comfort us with God's peace. And because of this, prayer has power, even if what we pray for does not come to be. And so we pray, regardless of the situation, regardless of the outcome, so that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will be with us. So we will know that we are not alone, and so that others will know and experience the power of God with us. Y'all, I hope this is somewhat of a helpful answer to the question, and I know for some of you it may not be, um, and that's okay. I actually encourage you to take that to God and and pray about it, because I'll tell you right now, he's here for it. And also, I'm here if you want to talk about that. Um, In a minute, uh, Justin's going to come up now and lead us in, um, sorry, there's like bugs everywhere. (laughs) Lead us in um, communion. Um, And as he does that, um, I just want to invite you, I'm going to be like right over here to the side. If you're in need of prayer today, I would love to pray with you. I'm going to close this in prayer as Justin comes up. Holy Father, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for prayer and that um, we have the ability to come to you and to talk to you. And it doesn't have to be fancy and and it doesn't have to be anything special. But it is this connection with you, God. And I thank you that you hear us and you see us where we are. And Lord, I just pray um, on our individual journeys with prayer, God, that you continue to invite and encourage us to show up and be there with you, God, that you will meet with us and that we might receive your peace and that we might grow from being with you and in that space with you, God. I pray for anyone who is struggling today Lord, that they hear first and foremost that you are with them, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us this. Amen.